This podcast is sponsored by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. GoMoto now has three new kiosks that allow customers to check in online and in-store, drop off and pick up keys, and interact in both English and Spanish. Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker, and we're coming to you from the floor of the North American International Detroit Auto Show. It's press day when media get a chance to tour the floor and be on site for model unveilings. We'll talk about President Joe Biden's visit today, some of the big reveals so far, and other news around the auto industry. And we're also going to hear from Jessica Caldwell, Executive Director of Insights at Edmonds, and our own Michael Martinez about this year's Detroit Auto Show. But Jamie, I wanted to start off with your own insights. You just wrote a column about how the show isn't what it used to be, but that it's moving forward in new ways. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. You know, it was the Detroit Auto Show for decades. And then in 1989, it became the North American International Auto Show. Toyota came here to introduce the Lexus brand. Uh, Nissan came and launched Infiniti. It really set the stage and established this show as a major venue for global automotive events and kind of set the tone for a lot of other international auto shows all around the world. In the ensuing, you know, three decades or so, marketing departments have gotten a lot less interested. They kind of wound down their spending. And so the the show organizers, like the Detroit auto dealers, are having to pivot their attention and really focus on trying to make it an attractive event for the public, a good place for shoppers to come and try to see what's on the market, even if it's a little less newsy for uh, journalists like me. But Kel, I'm curious. I mean, this is your first Detroit Auto Show ever. What, what did you think and what were your impressions? Well, the thing that has caught my eye, Jamie, is the amount of innovation. Mm-hmm. It is everywhere here from wall to wall. Now, as you said, the show might not be as big and as grandiose as it used to be, but the amount of innovation here has definitely made up for it. And I think it's great. A lot of cool things for people to come see. Absolutely. Okay, Jamie, let's run through some headlines. Well, probably the biggest event of the day so far was President Joe Biden's visit. He announced a $900 million plan to build electric vehicle charging infrastructure. The new chargers would sit across 53,000 miles of the national highway system. Let's take a listen to some of what the president said to the crowd here. I'm pleased to announce we're approving funding for the first 35 states, including Michigan, to build their own electric charging infrastructure throughout their state. And y'all are going to be part, part of a network of 500,000 charging stations. <clears throat> 500,000 throughout the country installed by the IBEW. The National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Formula Program was created and funded by the trillion dollar infrastructure law that President Biden signed in November. Well, Jamie, the big reveal of the Detroit Auto Show doesn't happen until tonight, and that's when Ford unveils its new Mustang. But Stellantis has already made its big debuts. Uh, Jeep showed off two new plug-in hybrid models today. Uh, The special edition Grand Cherokee and Wrangler models will diversify Jeep's 4xe offerings. The Grand Cherokee 4xe will be a 30th anniversary edition The Wrangler 4xe will get a retro touch with the Heritage Willis trim. And Chrysler pulled the sheet off its new 300, 
the last model before the aging sedan says farewell. It's getting a 6.4 liter Hemi engine with 485 horsepower. The 300C variant that Chrysler showed yesterday will have a limited production run of only 2,000 units offered in the U.S. and another 200 in Canada. Stellantis is making news in other ways today. The automaker says it's buying back shares worth over $900 million from General Motors. That's more than 69 million common shares, or about 2.2% of the company's outstanding stock. GM got the stake in the form of warrants in 2017 as part of its sale of its Opel Vauxhall business to PSA Group, which then merged with Fiat Chrysler last year to form Stellantis. According to a statement, GM will convert the warrants into equity shares for Stellantis to purchase on Thursday. And Ford is telling its U.S. dealers that they must invest as much as $1.2 million and adhere to rigorous sales standards if they want to sell EVs beyond 2023. This comes as the brand tweaks its retail model to better compete with direct sales startups such as Tesla. Dealers have until the end of next month to opt into one of two EV certification tiers that cover varying investment levels in fast chargers and staff training. Those who choose not to invest will be limited to selling Ford's internal combustion and hybrid models. EV dealers must sell the products at non-negotiable prices, and those who choose the lower price certification tier won't be allowed to carry them in inventory. Customers would order exactly what they want for delivery. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, we'll talk with Jessica Caldwell of Edmonds and automotive news reporter Michael Martinez right here from the North American International Detroit Auto Show. Picture your service drive on a busy morning. There's a line of customers waiting to drop off their keys and check in at the counter. Every advisor is busy with simple tasks. Two are typing customer concerns into the computer to get a repair order created. Two are trying to find an appointment the customer swears they created online. And another is looking for a customer's keys who didn't come in to pick up their vehicle the night before. It's a chaotic and unproductive scene, and you know you're probably losing money by not offering standard upsells with every write-up and frustrating customers with long wait times. Now imagine that same morning, but with customers checking in themselves in about two minutes. Your advisors are still busy, but they are busy selling. There are no more lines. No more wasted time and no more frustration. GoMoto kiosks free up your advisors to focus on high-impact, customer-facing, profit-oriented work that improves and speeds up the process. And with three new kiosks, online check-in, and Spanish-language support, you can now serve more customers in more ways with a process that fits their needs. Visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com to explore all the ways kiosks can increase profit, efficiency, and overall operations in your service drive. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Here at the Detroit Auto Show, the excitement of the event's return after more than three years has been met with a show that feels a little bit scaled down. But there's still plenty to talk about between President Biden's visit, a couple of big reveals, and other news happening around the auto industry. We talked about all of it on today's Automotive News LinkedIn Live with Jessica Caldwell, Executive Director of Insights at Edmonds, and Michael Martinez, who covers Ford for Automotive News. Here's part of our conversation. So let's start with talking about the show itself, right? So far, we've had 
kind of just a streak of special editions. There was a, a, a juiced-up Chrysler 300C shown last night, some uh, plug-in hybrid Jeep variants this morning, a, a police-ready Tahoe. Jessica, what, what's going on here? Um, so far, I'd say not too much. But I think um, what's interesting is that uh, President Biden was here. He took up a lot of time. He undoubtedly talked a lot about EVs. I mean, that's really what he's been kind of obviously pushing his agenda towards. Um, not seeing too many EV unveils. It would have been nice if the two dovetailed nicely and everyone introduced their EVs as Joe Biden came along. Um, I think that would have been probably the best case scenario. But yeah, not a lot of news here from the auto show. I think most automakers are choosing to introduce their vehicles in outside events. And it's, yeah, it's really lacking the pop and the surprise because I feel like the Detroit Auto Show had usually some sort of surprise that you didn't expect to see. And I just, it's kind of sad to think that that's not going to be here anymore. Yeah, for so many years, that that was a big part of it. Of course, uh, often starting the day with, with Chrysler, which would uh, back in the day have some pretty pretty amazing reveals, pretty spectacular stuff. And now, you know, like you said, we we see automakers often would prefer to reveal their vehicles on videos where they can really control the, the angle and the message and the distribution, probably more cost effective, but uh, certainly, you know, less entertaining for those of us who are actually here. Um, Mike, before we get to the Mustang, um, I do want to ask you, you had a, a really interesting story this morning about Ford's retail strategy for its electric vehicles. Uh, tell us about that. It's going to cost more than a million dollars to prepare the stores for EVs. What's How's that being received? Well, so far, so good. And sort of speaks to the importance of this year's auto show. Ford's CEO is currently two time zones away in Las Vegas right now, still talking to the dealers. That's their priority. They're rolling out these standards. Uh, they have to invest up to 1.2 million, but Ford's giving them options. For smaller dealerships that maybe don't want to jump in to EVs all the way or a little bit unsure, they can take a lower tier certification level. It'll cost them about $500,000, which is no small thing, uh, but they'll still be able to sort of wet their feet, try it out for a period of three years. For those who are ready to make the jump, they can invest up to $1.2 million, and most of that money goes towards fast chargers. So uh, the retailers are really learning about all this right now. They're learning about new standards they have to implement, like no haggle pricing. Some of them won't be able to carry any inventory. Those who do carry inventory, it will be limited. So Jim Farley's pitching this to them as a way to straight up become the most valuable automotive franchise. He didn't mince words at all when he was talking to reporters in the middle of their, their meetings. He said he feels these new standards, this new way of selling vehicles could vault Ford dealers right up to the front. Uh, I mean, I guess if you put a million dollars worth of chargers in these already expensive uh, dealerships, that should make them more valuable. But he's really saying that the, that they'll be more profitable down the line, and that's that's the vision? They'll, they'll be more profitable. He's trying to overcome about a $2,000 cost disadvantage over uh, Tesla and Rivian and some of the direct sales startups mm. who don't have to carry inventory because they don't have dealerships. <laughs> so he's trying to in a way, kind of get the best of both worlds from the franchise dealer model that people rely on for service and rely on for certain aspects of the experience, but also update it to be a lot more user-friendly and to not have some of that legacy burden and uh, negative connotation the dealers have been associated with in the past. And he's really stressed the um, pre-orders. 
right? People ordering their vehicles, selecting them, and then having them sort of made to order and delivered, right? That's right. And that's why Ford, he wants to move to a very low inventory, in some cases, no inventory. Uh, they pivoted really hard to an order bank at the start of the pandemic, at the start of the supply chain shortages. So they've been working to maintain those low levels. We'll see how disciplined they are. Automakers always say they want to carry less inventory and inevitably six months after they say that, it's right back up there. So we'll see if that sticks this time. Jessica, we've been seeing a lot of that kind of across the the market. What do you see in your data uh, at Edmunds and and just your general insights on the industry? Yeah, I mean, just as Mike was talking, the thing that came to mind is that what we see at Ford and what we see with some of the other mainstream EV makers like Hyundai and Kia is that they're getting new buyers into Mm. their brands because of the EV specifically. You see more luxury buyers trading in their vehicles for these vehicles, something like the Mach-E or um, just new buyers to the brand. So if that's the case, and it makes so much sense to focus on that retail aspect, because if you have new people experiencing your brand for the first time, you cannot disappoint them at the dealership <laughs> level, even if they love the vehicle. So I think that it does make a lot of sense to, to really focus on that, because you are gonna get an influx of new buyers. That's the whole hope with EVs, and especially being early to market with EVs, is that you're gonna get new buyers. So kind of what you do from that point is, is on you and apparently $1.2 million per dealer. It's a serious commitment. You know, it, I don't know how much of it is is just Tesla, but as people buy more things, you know, through Amazon and all they, whether and no matter whether they <clears throat> like their local dealer or <laughs> dislike them the way they may, most American consumers seem to dislike the idea of auto dealers, um, people really like the idea of being able to order their car and have it delivered if they, know exactly what they want. Uh, some of them, though, really want to test drive or want to be able to, if not actually haggle the price, at least be able to talk about, well, what's my payment going to be if I put 3000 down or 5000 or 10000 down? Do you, are you, is Ford talking about that much with, with their dealers and how that might work? They are, but I, I will say they are really targeting Tesla, though. And Jim Farley gets monthly reports that he pours over on Tesla and how it's performing in certain markets. And Norway is one to keep uh, in mind, one that he's keeping in mind, because he thinks 30,000 foot view, big picture level, Tesla's model is gonna start to drift more towards the dealer franchise system. He's not predicting they're gonna open franchises in the US, but he says in Norway, they have more physical locations. Mm -hmm. They have service, they have collision repair, and they have up to like 1200 employees, physical employees over there. Wow. So he thinks these startups, these direct sales people will kind of maybe inch over towards the physical side and that Ford will really have an advantage there. But it's more about them offering uh, easy online shopping, quick, uh, no haggle pricing, get in, get out, get what you want. That's so interesting to me because, um, you know, what we keep seeing around the world uh, but especially in Europe and in Australia and other every place that's not the U.S. with the strong state franchise protection laws that, that dealers have here is, you know, companies going to uh, the agency model. I mean, Stellantis basically fired all of their dealers and offered to rehire those that would be willing to just take a flat fee for each vehicle they sell and not be the, you know, independent retailers who buy the vehicles and then sell them <laughs> to their customers. Uh, it's really, it's so funny because that would seem to be almost more of a, a Tesla-fying move in most of Europe uh, for most brands. And yet he's pointing out that Tesla is kind of moving more toward 
if not a franchise model, at least a, a more traditional retail uh, system. That's that's his working theory, at least for right now. <laughs> right, right. It feels like the right thing is probably somewhere in the middle, like most people. I think people want different consumer lanes that they can, because some people are very comfortable, I think, buying online, while others really need the dealership to be, yep. you know, to be there and walk them through it. So. And, and I think you're right. It's it's the middle lane, but it's also it's having all the lanes because yes. there are some people who want to do it all in line online, and some who want to do it all in person, and some want to go back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting uh, stuff. And of course, along those lines, I mean, the Ford uh, Ford putting this cost requirement on being an EV Ford dealer reminds me, of course, of uh, you know GM telling the Cadillac dealers, you know, you're going to have to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars, or maybe you're not you're not going to be able to be a Cadillac dealer anymore. And of course, this is a much bigger commitment. This is a much bigger mi- commitment, but I have a couple points there. One, Cadillac was asking its dealers to invest before they even had product to sell. I think the fact that you have a successful Mach-E, Lightning, and E-Transit out right now is making that investment pill a little bit easier for these dealers to swallow. Second of all, there's no ultimatum. Ford isn't forcing them to do this. If nobody signs up, you're not going to get kicked out of the Ford network. You're just going to be limited to selling uh, internal combustion vehicles and hybrids. And with the way Bronco sales are going, (laughs) F-150 continuing its, its streak, you can probably be a pretty successful dealer if you're just selling gas vehicles. Uh, at least for a while. It's just how long is that uh, going to be sustainable if you're only selling the Ford Blue and not the Model E? So they say they're going to continue to invest in ICE products. We're going to see an example here tonight with the seventh generation Mustang. In terms of this EV requirement, the certification is going to be good for three years until the end of 2026. Dealers can, if they don't opt in right now, They'll have another opportunity to opt in starting in 2027. They're still not going to force them to do it even then. But the point is, if the market continues to evolve the way we expect it will, they'll have opportunities even if they don't jump in right now. The deadline for now is like six weeks, October 31st. So they have to decide pretty quick. But if they don't, there'll be another opportunity. Jessica Caldwell is Executive Director of Insights at Edmonds. Michael Martinez covers Ford for Automotive News. You can hear our full conversation from today's LinkedIn Live event, which is streaming on demand on Automotive News LinkedIn page. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news from the Detroit Auto Show, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. We'll be back again tomorrow from the Detroit Auto Show with more news and interviews. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.